This is the flight director beginning launch status check. CLCDR checking all stations are manned and the system is ready. Give me a go, no go. Talker? Roger, Houston. FSC? That is a go. Capcom? Oh, you navigation? Uh, navigation? Oh, uh, uh. You don't, don't worry about uh, guidance, we're just gonna. Wait, 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 Welcome back to Space Castle, everybody, your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy. My name is Seth. My name's DT. Is it weird for you saying your name first? It is extremely weird. Um, I thought so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a fan. Uh, I like to be last. But, you know, the things we do for podcasting, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're all making concessions and, uh, and sacrifices for our audience here, for sure. It's such a pain, but, you know, I'm taking one for the team. <laughs> so. Uh, you may have noticed that there's only two of us. Alex is infirmed. He doesn't have the COVID. It is not an emergency. He just has the plain old regular ass flu. He is alive. He will survive. But yeah, Alex is resting up. So you're stuck with just the two of us. And today we thought we would talk about. What are we going to talk about, Seth? It's a thing I've, I've been wanting to talk about for a little while. And that is what is and, and why the TV show that you have watched more than any other show. Like on repeat, you put it on the background, that kind of stuff. I know you pretty well. We've been pretty good friends for a number of years now. And this is going to be something I think we actually fucking agree on. <laughs> like perfectly, like in sync, like in, in simpatico. Okay. You want to say it on the count of three? Let's say it at the same time. Ready? Three, two, one. Futurama. Futurama. Fuck Son yeah, of dude. a bitch. Yeah, we're best friends for a reason, I guess. It's Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck yeah dude futurama is my favorite tv show of all time yeah god damn i love that fucking show it's just amazing fantastic cast amazing writers amazing production value matt grading just like i think futurama is better than the simpsons even at the simpsons peak which i know is a wild hot take but the writing for futurama is so goddamn fucking clever and smart and all the writers were actually literal fucking geniuses like there are episodes where like for filler shit, they would like invent brand new actual functioning mathematical equations. Mm -hmm. And then like math mathematicians would go back and watch those episodes. They'd be like, holy fuck, this is, this works. Yeah. And you just made it up. Just as like a little random graphic on like a chalkboard or like a hol holographic projector in an episode. And it's like, I had heard that in the writer's room, there was a, a standing rule that if math was shown on screen, it had to be accurate. That's awesome. God, I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's fucking rad. Yeah, I, I don't think that that's too much of a hot take to say, or maybe it is and we're just in agreement that, yeah, Futurama is a better show than The Simpsons. And it ended when it needed to instead of going on for 75 seasons. So. Yeah, which is good. It Man, Futurama is, is arguably the perfect show. It's amazing. Yeah. It is fucking amazing. And for that reason, it is my most watched show. I think I've watched the entire series probably six or seven times in a row. It has yeah. for years been one of my like like chill in bed before I go to sleep shows, like my wind down shows. Totally. Because it's, it's just the perfect mix of emotion and, and depth and heart and just wild fucking humor. Like it's just so warm. It, it just feels like a, like a nice warm hug with somebody whispering a, like a really funny joke in your ear at the same time. I love that fucking show, man. 
and every every single scene is like endlessly memeable or repeatable every one liner is perfect like there there basically isn't a misstep in the show there's definitely episodes that aren't as good as others but there there's no episode that is like a bomb like there's none that's terrible there's a there's a, a phrase in the music world where every album has a song that you just kind of don't listen to like there's always that one dud and it's like if it's a perfect album it's no skips Futurama has like almost a decade worth of episodes with no skips. Yeah, no skips. They're man. all fu- they're all fucking good, man. Big money, no whammies, <laughs> like straight up. And that's I think like I've I have watched like linearly the whole show probably at least five times, but yep, I've probably seen every episode a dozen or at least times because I'll like I'll just put it on random and just like let episodes play. Um, you know, sometimes in the background, sometimes if I just need to like chill the fuck out. And what's cool is like, it is semi-linear, right? It does have a, a contiguous narrative, but mm-hmm. yeah. you can also just as easily watch episodes out of order without missing anything. Like they're they're all kind of self-contained and kind of linear. It's fucking, it's perfect, man. It's a perfect show. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very much a sitcom. Like you said, you could watch any episode by itself, but there is really smart writing and a story arc through all the various episodes there's you know fry trying to win over leela's heart there's you know uh kiv kiv and uh and amy they're ro- on again off again romance there's all the shit was that brannikin and leela like it's yeah there's all yeah. kinds of different like through lines through the entire series it's awesome and and then there's like uh you know when when the professor uh clones himself that doesn't change it like he does he has a, a clone now like that's yeah, he's got a. There's he shows up in all kinds of episodes after that. Like Futurama doesn't really do the one and done storyline. It's like if it if it's on screen, it's canon forever. Sure, it it move and they they keep track of like fucking everything. So like even even like random little background jokes of like an owl showing up in the background of one episode now. Six seasons later, there's an owl epidemic instead of rats because that's what showed up in that episode in season one or whatever the fuck. Like, they keep track of everything. I like. I yeah. can only imagine the uh, the writer's bible for Futurama is probably fucking three thousand pages long. They probably have like a gigantic fucking like twelve foot wide whiteboard with n- just like a web diagram of every single fucking <laughs> yeah. character yeah. and how they were all linked together and how they could possibly like pay- like cherry pick characters and bring it back into episodes and shit. It's like it, I imagine it's like Charlie from uh, It's Always Sunny that one scene. He's like, <laughs> fucking good. Yeah. You, he's looking for Pepe. Yeah, yeah. You like uh uh, they they're they're trying to introduce some new thing. Like oh man, we gotta. We got to see if it fits into the canon and they like open up a back room and it's like two guys in there who've lost their fucking mind. It's just an entire room full of these like a spider web of, of plot threads that have to tie together <laughs> and they have to like consult the oracles in the back room to see if it's canon and stuff. You know, what's another thing that's absolutely brilliant with all the stuff they've always been juggling or always had been juggling throughout the show's run. And this often happens a lot with sitcoms is that, or doesn't happen with sitcoms, I should say is that all the characters have character development from season to season, but none of them go wildly out of character. They're all consistent, but they're growing. Yeah. Like you see in like, like Friends, which is like one of the most popular and successful sitcoms of all time, from season one to the final season, those characters are almost unfucking recognizable. They're totally different people. They've just become caricatures. They're ridiculous. They're almost 
like unrelatable. And that happened with uh, a lot of other shows, like How I Met Your Mother, I think would be another one where the characters who they are in the first episode versus the very last episode, there's character growth, but they're also acting out of character. Like the writing has changed. It's not consistent. They no longer feel like the same characters you initially fell in love with. With Futurama, the consistency is, it's succinct and powerful because these always remain the characters we love, but they also grow as individual characters. It's just fucking magical. It's perfect, I love that show, man. (laughs) Yeah. They feel like real human beings because they are, they do have that central character. Like they are that person and that person does change, but it doesn't change the person. Like it, yeah, I'm right with you, man. They, the character growth is second to none. Fuck dude. It's so good. I want to talk about the ending because do it. It's a little bit of spoilers here in case you haven't seen Futurama. And if you haven't, I'm, I'm banning you from this show. You're not allowed to listen to our podcast. <laughs> go watch all, go watch every goddamn fucking season and all the side movies too. Like just, just do it yeah. right now. Well, and what's, what I think is also brilliant real fast before we get to the, the ending is the, the three movies that they made were designed as season six or five, one of those. So they aired on network television, like chopped up into episodes yeah, on uh, Cartoon, or it wasn't Cartoon Network. It was Comedy Central. Comedy Central at the time, it. yeah, yeah. And at the time, it like it just acted as an entire season, but they are like three distinct movies. Uh, so when you, you know, go back to try and watch the the series or whatever, they behave and and are delineated as three two hour movies. Um, but if you want to to chop them up yourself or whatever find the dvd release that has them broken up they still work perfectly as individual episodes yeah. with the same level of like three arc or three act narrative in 22 minutes or whatever it's man it's fucking so brilliant so what's cool it's is genius. like you get these three movies that are meant to be like here's we needed to do something with this show after it was canceled because it was canceled and then they made three movies to like continue on and then it was picked back up after that uh, at Comedy Central, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a fucking genius move that they kept it in the zeitgeist by making movies. And those movies are super canon. Like they are pivotal points in the entire show's canon. Uh, so it's it feels like a really important season of television. But it was actually when they weren't on television. It's fucking, man, so brilliant. <laughs> Fox, if you would just stop getting fucking antsy in the pantsy every time one of Dude. your successful shows gets too successful or whatever it is, Fox is run by a bunch of fucking morons. Let's let's get that straight. Absolutely, like, they fucked over Futurama so many times. Yes, that's it. Like it, you're like, oh, is Fox really that bad? Like, yes. Look at what they did to Futurama. Look at what they did to Firefly. Look at what they did to Family Guy. Like Fox yep. ruins everything that they touch. <laughs> yeah, they're the worst. They really are. Ah. Uh... Um, it's a wonder that New Girl was able to like finish up its run and be wildly successful and have a satisfying ending because it was too good. Does it have a satisfying ending? It does, I think. It's not the best ending. It, I mean, it's got a satisfying ending. It's no Futurama. It's no Futurama, but what the fuck is? We'd be talking about something else if anything was a Futurama. Like it's Futurama true. is a Futurama. That's going in the fucking headliner video on social media. <laughs> it's just, it's just gonna be the title of this episode is just Futurama all the way down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the ending. The ending is 
by a wide margin the high watermark for ending a TV show. It's unbelievable. Untouchable, basically. Like, yeah, I, I'm not gonna fucking, I'm not gonna front. I cried. Yeah. Oh yeah, I cried several times during the show. It's such a beautiful story. Such a beautiful story. Yeah, I, I definitely cried on several episodes. Oh, um, motherfucking! We cannot go through this entire episode without talking about Jurassic Bark. Because yeah. God damn, I know. I still, I know. Thinking about it makes ugh. me fucking sad. Poor Seymour. Poor Seymour. What a, what a lovely but tragic story that he thought, like Fry thought that his dog from the past had like a full life and went on to be like a happy dog the rest of his life, and it turns out he spent his entire life just waiting for Fry to come back. Like God damn it i know it makes me well up just fucking thinking about it <laughs> and that goddamn fucking song that plays over the montage of seymour just sitting down and waiting and eventually just closing his eyes and passing away it's mean it's it's mean-spirited that's how it's hard... such a fucking beautiful <laughs> way though like i know that's and that's what uh, makes futurama so good is like they were funny and smart but they were not afraid to like do real shit they will punch you in the fucking gut <laughs> there is very few jokes in that episode like that is the majority of that episode is Fry finding his his fossilized dog and trying to bring it back to life, but the entire like theme of that whole episode is sad and like they don't shy away. There's no like Fry's not better after that. He doesn't like shake it off. That like it's sad and it affects him and it continues to affect him for like almost the rest of the entire series. Yeah, uh, and they bring it up on several occasions. Like it's. It's a show that is funny, but not afraid to be real, which is why I think I like Scrub so much too. Is that it's it's in a similar vein, like it's real and funny, and like it hits all of those notes. Futurama just hits them like perfectly every time, all the way yeah. through. The entire yep. show runtime is perfect, and the ending is absolutely yeah. It's a high watermark. You get all the fulfillment. You get everything you want. Like if you imagine like. What could I want out of a perfect ending to something? It's in it's in the Futurama finale. It's fucking it's a perfect episode. It's a really fun premise and it ends perfectly and then like the last line, the uh, do you want to do you want to go around again? Oh. oh. Chef's kiss. Let's go. Jesus Christ. <sighs> God, what a so good show. So fucking beautiful, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so glad that for as long as it ran, it got to have that ending and it got to do it right. And everything got tied up and everything was just, it's it's just a beautiful package. It was a, it was a bit dicey there for a while. It got moved around networks and canceled like sure. twice. Uh, but in the end we got it and it was everything we could have hoped for. Man, it's a good one. And the, like, I still use jokes from Futurama that are at least a decade old. Like I still say like, Shut up, baby. You know it. <laughs> or, no, it's it's I know it. But I, I use it in every context. Like I use it everywhere. Like I've commandeered it to say a million different things in a million different ways. But yeah. fucking Bender, dude. And I like we still make jokes about uh, now that there's like 8K monitors coming out. Like, well, we might finally be able to start seeing Amy's tattoo. And like there, it, <laughs> <laughs> it's such a like cultural backbone for me. Uh, I still use the phrase "Who's ready for safe fun?" Anytime you know, a bunch of friends are about <laughs> yeah. to go out and do something, the fucking Scooty Puff Junior. fucking vehicle that Fry gets stuck with when he goes to defeat the the brains. <laughs> Scooty Puff Junior. suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So I still pop in. Good news, everyone. Good news, time. everyone. Yeah, it's, great. it's such it's a awesome. good fucking show. And uh, like thinking of like even even the weird episodes where they like 
are eating mummies and like it and <laughs> the beef jerky <laughs> yeah come on it's such a good fucking oh, show the poplars episode poplars. where it's, it's the uh it's the uh omicry percy i ate babies yeah and all of a sudden they become sentient and they start talking and they're still eating them and yeah. they feel horrible about it but they're so wildly <laughs> addictive because they're fucking delicious ah so goddamn funny i will still walk into a room and say news nobody <laughs> 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 uh, i i made several years back a thing longer nice it was awful but man i see why he made it it's fucking so useful <laughs> uh and all the celebrity cameos this was obviously a very very well-loved show and a whole bunch of celebrities absolutely loved matt graining and loved the crew and it was a myriad of like off the wall fucking celebrities who pop up like yeah. like Leonard Nimoy was a regular and fucking there was an episode where Bender loses his arms and he becomes a, a washboard fucking player with two little like robotic nubs yeah, and he Beck. goes on tour with fucking Beck yeah like what no. the fuck <laughs> oh that was such a good episode Harlem Globetrotters show up yeah uh, they're yeah. basically recurring characters like they're there all the fucking time and they're super math geniuses it ma- yeah. exactly yeah so happy uh, all right, let's talk about the cast because the cast is just a fucking all timer. You got Billy West, who's just a, a voice actor fucking guru. He's he's up there as one of the best to ever do the fucking sh- the, the the fucking yeah. thing. Tress McNeil, who uh, was she played Dot in the Animaniacs, and then came back last year when they did a revival. She played various characters. You got Katie Segal, who's a fucking legend from Married with Children and various other TV shows. John motherfucking DiMaggio. Yeah. Who can do no wrong. Fucking Bender, fucking Marcus Phoenix in Gears of War. One of my personal heroes. I fucking love that guy. The cast is just phenomenal. It's just amazing. It's The whole show is just like a perfect storm. Phil Lamar? Phil Lamar, man. Yes. The entire cast, like, the, the term GOAT, greatest of all time, can be applied to basically everybody in this cast because yeah. they are, like... Not only do they kill it here, but like every single one of them is like an A tier top list voice actor in a bunch of other shit. Like the things yeah. that you love that require voice acting, almost certainly someone from Futurama is in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Phil Lamar, man. Dude, he was <laughs> fucking Samurai Jack. Yep. Love that guy. And he was Marvin and he gets shot in the face in Pulp Fiction. Like <laughs> the absolute best, man. It, the yeah. whole cast is amazing. I, if, it's the kind of thing that, like, I'm a little surprised that fucking Mark Hamill isn't on this because he's also in that same tier of voice acting. Yeah. I, has he not popped up in one or two episodes? I know John Goodman played uh, uh, Santa Claus yeah. in a couple of episodes. And I think John DiMaggio ended up replacing him later on because I think John Goodman had uh, conflicts or whatever. But yeah. early on, fucking John Goodman plays evil robot Santa. Robot and Santa. It's, it's fucking wonderful. I can't go a Christmas season without watching at least one or two of the evil robot Santa episodes from Futurama. Yeah, I have dude. to. It's like, I got to watch Home Alone. I got to watch Die Hard. I got to watch the evil robot Santa episodes of Futurama. Otherwise, it's not fucking Christmas. He used to make <laughs> jokes about choosing between a parrot and 150 lizards for Christmas all the time. <laughs> like, I don't know what to get uh, you, man. One parrot that lizards. costs $150 or 150 lizards that cost a dollar each. I'm not I sure. Gotta, I gotta go lizards. I'm not a big fan of reptiles, but I fucking hate parrots. I don't like birds. The birds are fine. Parrots are gross and dirty and obnoxious and they scream. Give me them lizards. <laughs> I honestly couldn't tell you which one I'd choose. I would be just like Fry. I would wait until the very last minute, unable to choose. 
Do you have, and this is a really tough question, I shouldn't even be asking it because I don't think I can answer it myself. Do you have one single favorite episode? I'm offended that you'd even ask me, man. I know, I know, but I mean, it has to come up in any conversation, right? Like if you and I were sitting in a pub with random strangers and we started talking about Futurama, eventually one side or the other would say, well, which one's your favorite episode? Fuck, dude, that is a tough one. I think, look, if I'm forced to choose... It, it's going to be Space Pilot 3000, man. Fuck. Episode one. It yeah. sets up so many things. And like it in retrospect, it's fucking buck wild because it towards the end of the series or in, in one of the movies. Uh, here's a great example. When when the Scooty Puff Jr. is implemented and Fry has to go back in time, he goes back to that that same part of his life where he falls into the cryogenic freezer. Uh, and you see like, oh, you think... At the time, they retcon in that Nibbler is there and he gives Fry that extra push. However, if you go back six seasons and watch the very first pilot episode, guess whose fucking shadow is there? Nibbler. The whole time. Right? It was what not a retcon fuck? at all. Holy shit. <laughs> show is just goddamn fucking hilarious. If I had to pick my favorite episode, this is really weird because it's episode two. The series has landed. Okay. Where they go to the moon. Yeah. Every fucking scene is a gut buster. Like, it, it just makes me laugh hysterically. It's so fucking funny. We're sailors on the moon. Exactly. Yeah. That rip off of a small world after all. It's just a great goddamn episode. I still use that guy's catchphrase too. What do I look like? Some guy who's not lazy? <laughs> or uh, when Bender takes the bottle and smashes it into the, the moon uh, mascot guy's head. And it's like yeah. an homage to a trip to the moon. That <laughs> yeah. classic movie. It's so goddamn clever and funny. Yeah. Ah. Got it. It is... The best TV show. It's not just my favorite TV show of all time. It is the best TV show of all time. I am inclined to agree. As a hill, I'm prepared to die on. And a podcast episode, I'm prepared to waste. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, if you don't agree that Futurama is the best TV series of all time, at us with your favorite and we'll do fucking battle. Yeah. We'll be like the fucking the Jets and the other gang, whatever the fuck they were called in West Side Story. We're, we're going <laughs> to fucking finger snap right up at you. Let's go. We fighting. <laughs> we fighting. <laughs> uh, Futurama is the best. Futurama is the best. Infinite gags. I'm trying to think of shit that like I would have a hard time placing, but like every joke that I can think of, I know what episode it's in. I know where it sits. I know why it's funny. I can explain to you like why it's hilarious that like Leela gets a second eye. I can explain to you why it made me cry when uh phil is like realizes that his brother didn't steal his his life and become the first guy on the uh steal his life and name and become the first first guy on mars and it makes me cry every fucking time when luck of the friarish guy yeah dude he slowly like uncovers that monument and and pulls the vines off and god oh that episode has maybe the best line in the entire fucking series yeah I'm one skull short of a Mouseketeer reunion. Every <laughs> yeah. fucking time I laugh to goddamn tears. God, I love Bender. Because <laughs> they're going through the cemetery where he, where Fry thinks his brother's been buried. It turns out it's his nephew who's been named after him because his brother loved him so much. And Bender's grave robbing. He's going through the fucking cemetery and he's robbing graves and he's, he's targeting members of the fucking Mickey Mouse Club. It's so fucking funny. It's so good, man. I want to point out another one that I, I laugh at basically every time. And that is uh, when they're on Mars, it's like, what is it? Where the bugaboo roam, I think, where 
they go to Mars and they they see Amy's parents' estate. And he says, he goes, 450 million acres or whatever, entire Western hemisphere. And he leans over and he goes, it's the biggest hemisphere. Like, bitch, it's a hemisphere. <laughs> it's not the biggest. Uh, you know that. You- <laughs> it's, but it, it's like that perfect joke where like, if you think about it, you're like, oh, this is actually a joke about how rich people don't fucking know what they're buying. They just want the expensive thing and they think it's the best. Yeah. God, it's such a good show. You come to the Wong place. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the Wong family that owns the ranch. And that's yeah. the slogan of the ranch. It's so, God, the whole show is just magical. We could talk for hours and hours and hours about it. I'm sure we're going to outside of this podcast. The, the fucking Star Trek episode where, yeah, man. Where, where no fan has gone before. That is an, that's honestly an actually good Star Trek episode of Star Trek. <laughs> right? Yeah, where it was uh it was that uh that godlike being who captures him and makes him like reenact like Star Trek episodes. It's just, yeah. Yeah. God. Like how do you do an homage episode that's a full on homage episode that's also like wildly original? Like, god damn it, man. There you go. Fucking A, man. Yeah, we could talk about this show for fucking ever. But mm-hmm. there's Goldblum. Goldblum, if I could change one thing about you, I would give you Sigourney Weaver's voice just like the AI and the Planet Express ship. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all That'd right. That'd be rad, right? Yeah. In the meantime, while uh, while we get Seth reprogramming that shit and we uh, get Sigourney Weaver to sign out lifelong contract, we've got messages from Earth we've got to get to. So let's tear into those and then we'll be back shortly. Hey, it's Misty and Liz with Talking Literature. We're sisters who don't know shit about literature, but we love to hang out and talk about the books we've read. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Talking Literature and on Twitter at Talk Literature. And look for us wherever you listen to podcasts. More amazing messages from Earth. Fantastic as always. Keeping us informed of what's going on back home as we hurl aimlessly through space. <laughs> Seth. Speaking of deep space and hurling yourself into various things, you have something you're very passionate about that you want to share with our listeners, don't you? Yeah, hurling myself into the walls. These bulkheads are just <laughs> so good. Um, no, I, I want to talk about another YouTube channel called AVE. Now, some of you are like, fuck yeah, AVE is the best. And some of you have no idea who the fuck I'm talking about. And that's okay. Me, I have no <laughs> idea what the fuck you're talking about. AVE is, you know, is a Canadian YouTuber. I believe he is a mining engineer or like maybe an oil rig roughneck or something. He's some something like that. But his YouTube channel is all about like tools and just random shop shit, learning how to weld or building random things, tearing drills apart to see if they're any good, stuff like that. Uh, however, this chuckle fuck is <laughs> one of the funniest people I've ever listened to. Uh, I take so many idioms from him. That's where I get the word chuckle fuck and, and bumble fuck and like Kanakistan, all like so many things. He He's coined like a billion different phrases at this point that you've probably heard. You just didn't realize it was from him. That's awesome. I would say if you're interested at all in like what makes a KitchenAid stand mixer so heavy and expensive and why your grandmother is still using the same one from 1940. His his shows a good a good way because he just fucking tears into things and like destroys stuff and like pulls bearings out of things to show you like what makes them cool and what makes them work. He'll like stick two two drills together. He'll like you know attach like a, an Allen key and just attach two hand drills to either end and just pull the triggers on both to see which one fails first. 
and then oh, take shit. it apart and see like why. That's rad. Super cool, super great like experiments and and just shop shit. He's got this amazing, huge CNC machine, and he's he's a really really excellent shop guru for sure. He knows fucking everything about everything, and he's hilarious as shit. His daughter occasionally makes like appearances, and he, you know he lives in Canada, so he only speaks to his daughter in in French, at least most of the time, and it's adorable. He's a great dad great dude like an actual genuine guy but like when you hear him talk you're like i don't know if i'd want to meet this guy in a dark alley until you see like three episodes and you're like oh actually i want this guy with me in a dark alley in case i meet somebody else oh so he's one of those big imposing gearhead type guys fuck yeah dude yeah but he also never shows his face you only ever see his hands he's just a he's the kind of i you know i can't even i'm literally struggling to describe his show and him because that's like the kind of show it is I wouldn't say it's like family friendly. It's not not family friendly. He curses a lot and he uses a lot of F words. Yeah, I'm familiar with that one. uh, Units of measure of a certain hair type that I will not really go into. Pubes. That's not what he calls them. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So, you know, if 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 language in particular is some kind of trigger for you. Maybe avoid his channel, but if you don't give a shit about language, and if you're on this podcast, you fucking don't because exactly fucking a. how I talk. Uh, the content that he puts out is bar none. It is some of the best on YouTube. It's hilarious every episode, and it's incredibly interesting. Cannot recommend his channel enough. And I like, I have several of his rulers. I've I've adopted many of his idioms and his jokes. <laughs> it's great, great channel. He's not, he's not a small channel. I think he's got over a million subs now. Uh, nice. He deserves 10 times that, at least. His content is absolutely bar none. So at least 2 million subscribers. All right. We'll, we'll send our show <laughs> over there and break him over the 2 mil mark. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> AVE is another one of those YouTube channels that I'll put on in the background just because I enjoy like the fucking, his affectation, like the way that he talks so much that like it just brightens my mood every time. That's awesome. Right on, man. AVE on YouTube. Check him out for sure. I'm definitely going to. It's going to be one of my things that I add to my YouTube repertoire. Yeah, man. Whenever I'm chilling at home on a couch, drinking a beer or getting ready for bed. One of my favorite things to do is to watch YouTube channels before I go to sleep. So I'll catch up on like all my my stories, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's rad. Uh, everybody go check them out. Uh, we also have, as always, a listener question, a question from one of our listeners. What? And uh, yeah, I've got that ready for you if you want. This one comes to us from Beth. Thank you very much, Beth. The question is, if you had to choose one nerdy persona who is relatively well-known to go primetime as like a Jimmy Kimmel or like a, like a David Letterman type situation, who would you choose and why? Oh, this is an easy one for me. Aside from us. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I would not go primetime. Oh, I fucking would. I would prime the shit out of that time. Oh my God, no way. I would not be able to deal with that. I would be down for like a super famous YouTube show, but I would not work. Like I couldn't do like the, the I could not be a Stephen Colbert type. Mm, gotcha. I, yeah. I, I couldn't handle that kind of show. Here's who I would choose. And it will be absolutely no surprise. And it, it's something that this person is already kind of doing. And that is Adam Savage. Oh, he's already kind of doing his own show on Tested. He's got live streams and stuff, but answers questions. He talks about topics. Like he's already kind of doing that, but on YouTube. Yeah. I would fucking, I would buy a TiVo to DVR Adam Savage's talk show. 
I would watch the ever-living shit out of that because he's such a lovely and intelligent and warm personality. And you can tell everybody who knows him loves him. And I'm sure there would be like myriad celebrities who would want to jump on that show. And and, and, and I don't think he would just do like celebrities. I think he'd have other like builders and creators yeah. and promote them on his show too, which would be super dope. Which he did on his podcast when it was still going. And like he's had other shows outside of Mythbusters. Right? He did Sh- Savage Builds, which was excellent. But it, mm-hmm. that was, you know... A building show. It was a maker show. It wasn't a talk show. And I would love a talk show. Kind of like his podcast where he just like talks about shit with other people. Like actually, I kind of just want his podcast to come back. <laughs> yeah. Because it was basically that. It was basically a talk show with him and Norm and you know, a third guest that changes sometimes. Excellent, excellent podcast. He would make a really good talk show host because he is he's incredibly charming. He's a super nice guy. Um, I've met him once or twice and he's just a genuine, genuine dude. He did a recent thing on YouTube where he, he frequently does uh, Q&A sessions live as a stream. Yeah. And he'll break those up and he'll post the individual questions on YouTube. And one of them was like, how do you, I don't remember the, the exact phrasing of the question, but it came down to like, how do you handle meeting so many new people and processing all that? And how do you just, just deal with like fame in general? And his answer was for the longest time, he thought he was doing himself a service by keeping himself guarded. And not leaning, leaning into those encounters with fans and whatnot. And he said that eventually he learned that it was better for him and for the people he was meeting to just full on lean into those conversations. Because as a celebrity, you have the opportunity to, as he, as he said, magically make, make somebody's day. And if you have that opportunity, like those people are essentially paying your bills by making you famous and facilitating the various things you want to do as a celebrity. It takes 30 seconds to make somebody's fucking life by saying, hey, how you doing? Like, and actually lean into those conversations, actually listen to that person, accept that person and make them feel wanted because any celebrity should make their fans feel wanted. That's exactly what I do every time I leave the house and I'm mobbed by fans whenever I'm trying to get to my car. <laughs> every single one of them gets an autograph. They get a handshake. They get a, hey, how you doing? Yeah. Sure. I'll sign your dog. Absolutely. Yeah, dude. That's, I mean, I have a story exactly like that. Met him at Comic-Con and like, uh, he fucking took a, an extra couple seconds when he wasn't supposed to, to sign my, my Martian helmet that I made. And I, it fucking sits right above my bed now. Like it, it's an absolutely cherished thing. And it, it took him eight seconds extra to like sign this thing. Just, yeah, he goes, he, he definitely goes above and beyond for his fans. Yeah. Like you said, he's talked about him going above and beyond for his fans actually, is a benefit for him. Like it, it makes his life better for doing so. It enriches you. Yeah. I mean, you have that opportunity to meet so many different people from various walks of life. Like why would you close yourself off from that when you can use it as a, a growing experience every day? Now imagine he had a talk show and he got to bring on a celebrity and then a new, you know, 1200 sub YouTube maker alongside and talk about shit. And blow them up. Yeah. Fuck A. Or man. imagine... Since he stopped doing his podcast, and he's got all this free time. Imagine if we took this opportunity while Alex is out sick to just replace Alex with Adam Savage <laughs> and get Adam Savage right back in the podcast game. <laughs> okay, look, for real though, if that was at all a possibility, I wouldn't replace Alex because it's Alex. You'd replace me and that'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> However, I would I would be like, oh shit, you got Adam Savage. I I am your number one fan of Space Castle now. I'm stepping aside. <laughs> I'm a spectator now. Fuck it. Yeah, we can have four people on a podcast, man. Sure, we did with Brian. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. God damn, that would be so good. Maybe someday, dude, we'll have him on as a guest. We'll get big enough to where he notices us. Maybe. Comes on and talks about maker shit or, 
I don't know. I'm sure he's probably tired of talking about Mythbusters at this point because that's obviously like most. But yeah, I would love to hear about like random conventions or or the nitty gritty of getting ready, getting costume ready for some con. Hell yeah, man. Let's go. Come on. Talk about maker stuff with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've got a choice for somebody who's a nerdy sort of internet persona that I think would make for a great primetime host. Okay. And he's already pretty much, he's, I mean, he's essentially doing it anyway, so I doubt he'd actually want to because he would, he would no longer be able to do it on his terms. Mm. And it's Philip DeFranco. Oh, I'm yeah, a big dude. Philip DeFranco fan. I think the dude's great. I think he tells it the way it is. Um, he's not afraid to be biased on occasion. He's got his own points of views. And I tend to agree on many of those points of views. And the dude's fearless. And um, he's a great interviewer. As one of like his side gigs, uh, past the actual mainstream Philip DeFranco show, he does a series where he interviews various other YouTubers and creators mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And he's very witty, very charming. He asks very succinct and in-depth questions. And he gets the tea out of people. And I dig that. And I think if he wanted to go mainstream, He's probably got the audience and he could probably like drum up a contract from some network if he wanted to. Yeah. Uh, I think he'd be great at it, but it would be on the network's terms as opposed to his. And he is almost essentially a network onto himself at this point. Definitely. He's got a, he's got a staff that like helps him write and produces and shoots and edits and does all the things he needs to do. He's got pretty elaborate sets and whatnot. Like he's, he's essentially doing it. But uh, if I had to choose somebody gun to my head to, to have somebody like become like a Jimmy Kimmel or like a David Letterman or something, that uh, that'd be the guy because he's tailor made for the job already. Yeah, I'm right with you, man. His show on YouTube is the best version of that. Like, it's, yeah, moving to network TV would not be an upgrade. But sure. if you had to choose somebody, DeFranco is a fucking excellent choice. It would be like an absolute breath of fresh air to have somebody delivering the news on network TV that isn't like a shit bag. <laughs> yeah, like I I trust Phil because he's put a decade into building that trust. Um, and he's been on YouTube much longer, but his show was very different in the beginning. And he consciously realized that like, that's not the kind of show he wants to make. And he changed it with great effort. It took a lot to change up his show. And he like, even to the fact that like to this day, he's still kind of dealing with the ripples of that change. He's put so much effort into building the trust for audience members like me, like that I, I trust Phil and having somebody that I would trust to deliver the news on like a news network would be absolutely game changing. Yeah. Imagine if uh, we're, we're not a terribly political podcast, but imagine if the news was entirely unbiased and not essentially made for entertainment consumption, if it was not controlled by billionaires. Yeah. Who want to kind of fuel their own fucking agendas. Yeah. I not to get too political, but I had a, a conversation recently. Uh, someone was like, hey, why why don't billionaires in America get referred to as oligarchs like they would everywhere else in the world? And it was basically because they don't want to be referred to as oligarchs and they control most of the media. So they get to choose. Right. And that sucks. They get to choose their own narratives. Absolutely. Yeah. So it would be it would be absolutely dope to have somebody be able to deliver the news that isn't beholden to the, to that kind of narrative. Yeah. Philip DeFranco, we need you to, um, we need you to compromise your, your morals and values and your uh, strong independent <laughs> spirit and do us all a solid by telling the news correctly for once, please. No, act- honestly, we just need YouTube to have a better monetary policy because you like his, his view count, like he get his audience is way bigger on YouTube than it ever would be on the news an episode of the news isn't getting 
five or 10 million views. And some of his videos do. True. Um, his audience is better. The, the difference is there's like a 10th of the money going through YouTube than there is going through network TV. And, and therein lies the problem. Bingo. Yeah. yeah. Which is okay. Like, okay. A little bit because most of the money going through network TV is out of deep pockets that we don't want to be pulling money out of anymore. But I'm tired of YouTube ads giving like 30 cents at best instead of like, you know, an ad on, on TV having like, I don't know, 50 or hundred dollars CPM instead. Like it, there's just so little money. They're paying so little for advertising and stuff on YouTube that that needs to change. We had a conversation back in one of our very first episodes where we discussed whether or not YouTube was well on its way towards replacing mainstream TV. And that is one of the, yeah, that was one of the main barriers. I don't remember if we talked about that explicitly, but that's one of the main barriers where it's never going to get that way because every YouTuber who is wildly successful is earning their revenue through other means, not through just doing YouTube. Memberships and Patreon and stuff like that. Or yeah, or donations or selling merchandise or licensing deals or um, like they're, they're going out, they're getting sponsors, their own sponsors. So they're not getting any fucking money from, you know, Liberty Mutual, those fucking obnoxious emu commercials. They're getting money from their own individual sponsors that they've gone out and courted and, and, you know, signed on with themselves. So much like we do here. Yeah. I hate those commercials. You know what? I, I have switched to watching Red Zone for NFL almost exclusively because uh, you pay a premium for it, but they always cut away from commercial breaks. It's been like a fucking year since I've seen a flow from progressive commercial and I am a happier person for it. Oh, yeah, dude. I, I haven't had I haven't had cable or a television in like probably 11, 11 or 12 years. Yeah. Um, and I went from like ad blockers to you know paying for like youtube premium for example like i haven't seen an actual advertisement in probably eight or ten years yeah um like i'll I'll, you know hop on youtube and watch like super bowl ads sometimes right but like occasionally like go to my dad's house and watch some tv there and like every like four minutes it cuts to a commercial break and it's like i don't understand how anybody puts up with this like these ads are terrible there's so fucking many of them they're so boring like Ads suck, man. They're <laughs> I awful. Hate, I yeah. hate the advertising model that the internet is based on. And that is changing. And we talked about it in an episode two. That is changing away from advertising based into like subscription based, which is why you're seeing YouTube premium and Patreon and the join button on YouTube and stuff like, um, and with, with like Brave and it's, it's BAT token, mm-hmm. um, basic attention token. You can pay individuals for the things that you're, the content you're consuming that's kind of where the internet's going and I cannot fucking wait for it, man. Yeah. Ads don't pay enough and there's so much time and so dumb and wasteful and I'm over it. I'm so over advertising. Yeah. It's kind of the point where I resent the brands that are overexposed in advertising. Like I, like I said before, I'm an avid YouTube watcher. And if I get one of those things where I have to sit for 14 seconds until the ad loads, I will back out and go back in it until I can get to the point where I can skip the ad five seconds in. I don't fucking care how many times I have to do that. I'm not going to watch that entire goddamn fucking emu limu fucking obnoxious like like Liberty Mutual ad anymore. I'm just I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. I will I want to waste my life on my terms, not on your terms, <laughs> Liberty Mutual. <laughs> it has a really cool side effect at least I think in that like I tend to avoid huge ad companies. So like things like 
if Levi's has like a, a an ad for their jeans, I'm like, okay, well, I don't fucking want to buy Levi's. So I will go out of my way to buy from like a small brand and they often make better stuff anyways. But supporting smaller companies is like, that's what I'm fucking here for. So if advertising forces me to avoid the things being advertised, then I also get to support smaller companies anyways. Like it's a win-win. Exactly. And uh, we want to thank our listeners for supporting us. Yeah. Wasting their own lives on their own terms by spending an hour listening to us ramble. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. This this Futurama episode turned into a little bit of a rant about fucking the oligarchy. <laughs> you know what? We're intelligent people. We can have a conversation about one of the most wildly intelligent television series ever created, and also flip gears and talk about a, a really pressing issue in today's media. I think we're allowed, and I think our our listeners will allow that too. And if not, I don't want to say fuck them because. You can say fuck him, but like with a winky face. Get in here, baby. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Seth, do you want to tell the people how they can reach out to us and ask their own questions? Yeah, man. That'll lead to wildly long and overdrawn conversations about political subject matter that we probably shouldn't have gotten into. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fine. It's on brand. It, it it's fits on brand. perfectly with Futurama. Like it would, yeah, it, it's right on there. Um, hit us up, Twitter and Instagram at Space Castle Pod. Let us know if you disagree that Futurama is the best TV show of all time, because uh, I'd love to have that conversation. Because, like, you know, I'm I'm not everybody, right? <laughs> so my opinions aren't everybody's opinions, but I do think that the Futurama makes a run at least for everybody's favorite. We'll see. So at me at Twitter at Space Scales Pod. I won't be upset. We won't fight, but we can we might. talk about it. I'll fight. I mean, I'm not gonna. F- uh, well. DT might fight you. I'll I fight. won't fight you, but I'll, I'll talk about it mostly calmly. You can also send us an email at spacecastlepodcast at gmail.com if you, uh, you know, want to send over your college dissertation about why Futurama is the best TV show of all time. That shit better be single spaced. Of course. You, yeah, you better support that thesis like very, very strongly with a full bibliography of references. Otherwise, F minus. Oh, yeah, dude. If your references are off, it's out, man. We're failing you for sure. But I'd like to read it anyways, so <laughs> send it over. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Space Castle. As always, it is your clubhouse and hours for all things nerdy. Special thanks to our very good friend and part-time lover, Brian Lovett, for co-writing our theme song, Dee's Notes. We love it. It's amazing. I listen to it even when I'm not doing podcast stuff. I think it's just, I love that song. It's great. So it's my favorite song. It's a good song, man. It's a pretty good song. <laughs> yeah uh please leave us a review and uh yeah my name is dt my name has been seth and that's gonna do it thank you guys as always we love you and uh, we'll see you next week bye love you bye.